to the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast. I'm Dr. Rovello, and I am here today with Dr. Jay Calvert. How are you? I am really, really good. Really, 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 really good. You know why I'm really good? Why are you really because good? Because yesterday I did 14 hours of surgery Oof. in one day. That's a lot. On purpose. <laughs> <laughs> and today I did zero. That's a nice and, little and I needed the zero today. trade. I was like, you know, I'm not doing much on Wednesday. We could have put one of these huge cases on Wednesday, but no, no let's do them all one day. That sounds like a Dr. Rovello day. It is. <laughs> oh, I know. I, when I'm like trying to reach you on Monday and it's like 7 p.m., I was like, oh, she's probably starting her third case right about now. Right about oh, now. I got one more after this, too. Yeah, that bilateral recon starting, yeah, right about now. Didn't you have one yesterday, though? It was yeah. like 5 p.m.? Yeah, I did. Whew. You know, see, cases have to go. I think they gotta when go. you got to go, you got to go. got to go. That's for sure. So when you do a lot of surgery, lots of hours, lots of cases, there is no way around the fact that you are going to have complications. If you're operating, you're having complications. Having complications. And when we go through general surgery training, plastic surgery residency, we have weekly or monthly conferences that we call M&Ms. They are morbidity and mortality conferences where we go through all of the complications, all of the potential deaths that happened that week or that month, and we break them down into what happened, why they happened, and potentially how we can prevent that from happening. So it is ingrained in us as surgeons to be held accountable and to recognize when we have problems so that hopefully in the future we don't. That being said, it is inherent in surgery that you will have complications. And in fact, we would have attendings that would tell us as residents, if you don't have a complication, you are not operating enough. So it just goes without saying that it's going to happen. Now, if you are the patient and it happens to you, it's a much bigger deal because now it's happened to you. And I get that that is incredibly traumatizing. So this podcast is really about what do we do when a complication happens? And it does happen. And, uh, you know, luckily we only have morbidity conferences in plastic surgery because mortality is like not part of the thing. Yeah. But I will tell a story about that from a uh, foreign country that will get people to go, maybe I'll stay in the United States for, that, for surgery. That, that is maybe I will. Yeah. Um, and, you know, true, we don't have mortality, but every once in a while, random freak things do happen. They do. And they're, I can, I've been in Beverly Hills now for, uh, since 1887, and uh, the the truth is, is that the deaths that happen in plastic surgery are so rare and so extraordinary, and there is always some crazy ass problem that goes along with that death. I can tell right. you that. Right. Most common, cocaine use. I was just about to say drug use. It's cocaine, and I didn't tell my doctor, and I'm 62 years old, and I'm having a facelift, and boom. Now you're dead. So yeah. cocaine and plastic surgery, not a good combination. Not a good thing. Cocaine in anyone over the age of 40, probably not a good thing. Um, yeah, the heart I, just I, can't I, take I, it. I think the cocaine ever <laughs> is never good. Like, I mean, I, I don't know if anybody knows it's illegal, by the way. So uh, whatever you think. Uh, I did have a patient say that to me, though. I was like, man, your nose had so much scarring in it. What's the deal with that? And he, he was like, the 80s. <laughs> I was like, ah, got it. Got That's it. Okay. It. Um, anyway, the the reality is that complications do happen. Hematomas, seromas, wound problems, infections, scarring that's unfavorable, implant malpositions and breast surgery. These things happen. 
problems happen and they are not in they're, they're not negligent they're not malpractice mm-hmm. there are problems that occur in the absence of negligence in the absence of any malpractice that right. are and and this is something that always comes up like all patients come in and say like i'm having a hard time breathing through my nose i should sue that guy i'm like you know breathing difficulties after a rhinoplasty are a risk of surgery and we are not able to consent for malpractice you can't have a consent where you're consenting somebody to a problem that can occur it's not malpractice it is simply a sequela and a problem that can occur after surgery like we said happens infrequently but it does happen and when it happens to you it's 100 percent of the time and it's miserable so what do you do and we're not going to go through every single complication that could possibly happen because there are so many that are potential and there are so many that are common and then there are the ones that happen randomly that you could never have predicted and so a lot of times there's just no telling. But when it happens, there are a couple things and a couple steps that you have to go through. The first thing, I think the most important thing in the beginning, stay in contact with your doctor. Go to your follow-ups. 100%. If something seems strange, abnormal, call the office, call the doctor. Because please, 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 the earlier we can catch these things, a lot of times the better we can treat them. 100%, and you, you have to speak up. If it doesn't seem right, right give us a shout. Yes, we're, we, and we and don't don't think like oh I don't want to upset them <laughs> like you know we're here yeah. to ta- we know about complications we've consented you for surgeries that have inherent risks involved in them and right. and we are prepared to take care of them so that you can still get a great outcome absolutely and this is why I have my patients coming back week after week after week and like well I live far away and I'm coming from a couple hours I don't care like I that th- sounds really mean but I need you here because I am concerned about complications and I need to know that you are doing okay. So I need you to get your two hours on the road and come see me because it is important. Like I want to see you because I want to make sure that everything's going okay. And it's important. (laughs) It didn't sound mean at all, (laughs) but it is like, you know, you have to do this and it is part of it. Again, go back to our, you know, podcast about like post-op instructions. Like you have to follow the instructions and part of it's following up because things do occur that we can identify early. Right. And head it off at the pass so that it be- doesn't become a problem. Yeah. Uh, but let's say you do a breast augmentation and it's you know two weeks after and you're vacuuming your house and the breast starts to blow up mm. like a balloon, which has happened, mm-hmm. and you're getting a hematoma. You need to call. Don't panic. Do call right away to say, hey, there's something going on. My breast looks like it's twice the size of the other breast. This does happen. Yep, sure does. Especially in, uh, during vacuuming, I find <laughs> that uh, early vacuuming is a common reason for hematomas. Mine is hematomas. light housework. <laughs> light. Light housework. Light housework. What are we doing? Just some light housework, some light cleaning. I think that falls under vacuuming, too. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's in there. It's all the same thing. I know. Rearranging the furniture has mm. caused a hematoma as well. That in the first post- post-op week. So try to get this stuff done. Get out of your own way. Don't do it before, do all that stuff before surgery and then recover for three weeks so that you don't get a hematoma. But should you get one, call us. Call us. We, we will be taking you to the OR to drain that hematoma. Right. Pretty quickly. Now, there are very few things that are true emergencies in plastic surgery. Usually we have a little leeway of time, a couple of days to get you to the OR to address things. For sure. Um, so outside of the immediate 24-hour time period where there might be some emergency bleeding, anything that happens after 24-hour window is very rarely an emergency, but still something that should be addressed sooner. So there are some things that do require trips back to the operating room, 
Um, a hematoma would be one of them. Um, possible wound dehiscence. I've heard of some patients that had an immediate implant malposition that was noted almost right away. That's an immediate return to the OR. So there are some things that have to happen right away. And then there are some things that we watch. So maybe there's a wound care issue or a mild infection that we're going to treat with some antibiotics and we're going to follow you on a regular basis. And if it doesn't get better, then maybe we have to go back to the operating room. So these are all things that are possibilities. And I don't want to say worst case scenario is you have to go to the operating room, but that's usually the last step in terms of what we have to do to fix a complication. Yeah, problems that occur from surgery tend to need surgery to fix them. I mean, yeah. it's just, it makes sense, right? You have uh, you have problems that were induced by incisions and moving tissue or putting in implants, and now you have a seroma. You ha- like, these things need to be handled. It's not a big deal, except it costs money. Except that it costs money, and that is usually where the most anxiety comes in for patients because a lot of times these were cases or procedures that were done for cosmetic reasons and a lot of insurance companies throw up their hands and say well that's not an insurance procedure you picked it we're not paying for it so now who's on the hook and it definitely becomes an issue so in my practice the way i typically uh, address it is all my patients get cosmetosure that's an insurance specifically for cosmetic procedures and it's not an option you can't opt out of it if you're having a cosmetic surgery you sign up for that. And then shouldn't a complication occur? Say you have to go to the ER because we're concerned about a blood clot or say you do have to get IV antibiotics for an infection. The way it works is your insurance gets billed by any entity that worked on you. If they pay it, fantastic. If they don't pay it, then you take your bills and whatever doesn't get covered and submit it to the cosmetosure and then they reimburse you. So that's it's kind of a long drawn out process and it's not exactly streamlined, but it is it is the fallback so that you are now not on the hook for that five thousand dollar ER visit. Right, and uh, that that's an issue, and I, and I like that idea. I, is Cosmetosure sponsoring this episode? Because it sounds <laughs> like they, they should be. Should be. They kind of should be Cosmetosure. <laughs> We're available. Give us a call. We'll help. Um, but the yeah, I mean I. Uh, I agree with your concept of having that for your patients. They, but the patient pays for that, right? That's a they pay for additional it. and charge. It's, it's a, a, a stated fee for depending on the level of the procedure. I think for a breast dog, it's one hundred and sixty-five dollars. For a tummy tuck or body lift, it's two hundred and forty-five, and it's just tacked onto the cost of your procedure. You pay it to us directly, and then everything else is handled on the back end. I think maybe I should do that for mm. my patients. That sounds pretty reasonable. It is. Yeah, I mean, why not? So, um, so what is your <laughs> methodology then? Uh, well, I pretty much tell the patients uh, you have to pay for the complications because it's. I, we say that I won't charge a surgeon fee, no, but if there's not. OR and anesthesia charges, that you have to pay those. Yeah. And that that is, in fact, when patients come in, they they're a little put off by it, but we give them a copy of our revision policy because I do so many rhinoplasties, which carry with it an inherent risk of revision. All comers national average is fifteen percent, and I do. 150 to 200 rhinoplasties a year, 15% is a real number of patients that need more surgery. Need more surgery. So they're going to have to pay the OR and the anesthesia fees. Well, there is a, I think there's an important distinction to make between the complications that happen in the first 30 days. And so that Cosmetosure covers maybe the first 90 days or something like that. So it's for the immediate complications, infection, bleeding, rule out for blood clots, things like that. Um, but complications that happen three months, six months, a year, which are just part of the natural healing process, that's a t- different discussion. Right. And that, that's, that's not 
Those aren't complications. Those are sequela. Those are yeah. things that happen. And that's why, again, anybody having revision rhinoplasty with me, please listen to that revision rhinoplasty podcast about you know what it is to, to sign up for that process of having your nose revised. It's a big deal. Um, but yeah, I mean, those are the things that come up for me. I mean, we do get some infections. Like I had to send a guy for an infectious disease consult after he'd had, he'd had six rhinoplasties or something like that. And, you know, they, they charged him for it. I said, yeah. I, I don't know what to tell you. Like, you know, you've got an infection. It's a risk of surgery. It happens in, you know, point, you know, 0.01% of primary rhinoplasties. And there's data out of Australia that and uh, Korea that says it's like 2.3% of revision rhinoplasties with ribs. So, again, you do 100 of them, two people are having a problem that yeah. you need it's need possible. to get antibiotics. So, yeah. like, that, that, that happens. The key is to know about it before surgery. That as you're listening to this podcast and you're going to sign up for surgery, saying, like, well, I guess I should really look into, like, what are the risks of these things? Because they're low. They're, they're infrequent. And they're manageable. But they do happen to somebody. To somebody, and you have to have that back burner knowledge because it may be an out of pocket fee for you. For like sure. I said, I have Cosmetisure. Some plastic surgeons don't. They say you have a problem, you have a hematoma, you're paying for OR anesthesia, no reimbursements, that's it. Or you're paying for a new implant, that's it. And so you have to expect that you may be out another couple, three, four, five, that's six right. thousand dollars. That's right. If you have a complication. And that needs to be sort of in your budget to be addressed. And it, you know, it, it sucks for us too. Like we don't like complications. Oh, I hate we get it. we take them home with us. Oh We're my upset gosh. the whole time. Like yes. it's, it's disconcerting. Yeah, yeah. And and so we're not having fun either. Like it, no. it sucks. We want you. We want our patients to have the ultimate aesthetic surgery experience. We want them to go through it. We want them not to have any pain. We want them to get a great result and tell all their friends. Complications to us are like the, They're the it's, worst. it's just like the, the bitter pill you have to swallow if you're going to do aesthetic surgery. Right. You, yeah. We have to. It's part of yeah. how we do this. Yeah, there's nothing worse than knowing that your patient is out there and upset and going through a rough time. It, it, it really, I, I hate that part about it. Um, but, you know, I do commit to being there for the patients That's and right. we're going to get you through it and no matter what, we will be there and we'll get through this together. Now there are the complications which you addressed before, which happen outside of that 30 or 90 day window, which are things like for the breast surgeries, capsular contracture or implant malposition, or for in your case with the rhinoplasties, maybe some revision rhinoplasties. So these are things that what I typically have my patient sign is a revision policy agreement that there are potential revisions that may happen in the future, depending on the severity of it, you know, you may have to pay an entire surgical fee, including OR anesthesia surgeon's fee. Or if it's something that I feel, you know, doesn't require a surgeon's fee, then maybe you won't have to pay that. So there's some leeway to it. If you have a capsular contracture, a lot of the implant companies will comp, you know, some money or they'll give you another pair of implants. So there are definitely some things which can be addressed financially down the road, but sometimes they're not. Sometimes you may be on the line for that revision. Yeah, and you have to be prepared for that, and you that's why we're to. that's why we're having this discussion, you know. And and by the way, when when problems happen, like we get that you're upset, and and we don't like it, but but you don't need to go into asshole mode over it because like that that isn't helpful. 
You know, we get it's frustrating. <laughs> yes. Like we, we we're frustrated we, too. We're frustrated too. <laughs> and and we're doing everything that we can to to care for you. So like the attitude like that we suck isn't really helpful to it's not, it's not conducive to everybody getting on the same page and getting through the problem. And and I and I don't know why that's the choice of some patients other than that there was like cuz I try not to operate on those patients. You know, I really try not to. But I think some kind of sneak through the cracks and then like all of a sudden you have a problem and, and now you is. got now you got like yeah. a problem and an asshole that you have to take care of. And and that's not fun. And it's, it's not really and it's not hard. helpful. It's really hard. And I think problem too is that there's a lack of insight. Those particular patients don't always realize right. that they are that patient. But it makes it really so bad. hard to take care of patients that are angry because it, fighting you. the it the the feeling permeates the staff you see the name on the schedule for the day and the whole staff just goes oh and then when they come in the whole energy changes and everyone's uptight and anxious because things have just gotten really really negative yeah and it, not I, helpful. it's not it's helpful. just not helpful to making the problem go away no. it's not helpful to getting through it um, by the way, if anybody is at home wondering if they're that person, just call in. We'll tell you. <laughs> we're, we're very honest about it. Just give a call. You could probably speak to Jenny. She's <laughs> she's like, pretty yep. quick. Yeah, she, you're yes, on the you're that. You're you are on that list. You are that one. Um, and and it's not many, by the way. It's no, not many. Thank so thank God it's I, not many. There's like one or two. Like there, it's very few and far between. And uh, thank God goodness. that not many people have problems. Ninety five percent of the time, we are dealing with happy patients that are like high five. What's my next thing? I'm sending my friends. This is great. The complications do, they just pour water on the fire of how excited people are uh, about their plastic surgery experience. And, and it sucks. And we, we do this knowing that. And you have surgery as patients knowing that. So if it comes up, we have to deal with it. Get on the same page so that we can all make it work. And we'll get you through it. We, we don't, yes. we don't yes, like yes, say, yes. oh, too bad for you. Go see somebody else. No. Which, by the way, people do. Mm. No. Don't we- mention any. <laughs> di- I, we have stories galore no, no, about no. that, by the way. No, we own it. We own our patients. We own our patients. Yeah. But there are surgeons that'll be like, yeah, that's really, that's really <laughs> too bad. Let me give you a guy's name down the, down the uh, street and go see him and he'll take care of it. Right? I mean, that's happened. Yeah, I, I get those ER calls. Y- you do. I, uh, no names. We have that list also, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) You can call in and say the name and then we'll either say, no, that's not one or we'll just say nothing. (laughs) But it's uh, it it is. It's bizarre that that there are surgeons that will just be like, yeah, that's really too bad. Listen, go to the emergency room, see if they can find somebody and help you out. And that is 100 percent true that that happens. Oh, yeah. People tell me those stories. Um. Now back to the deaths column of the complications oh, issue. Okay, yes. Because I wanted and I'm not gonna name the country because I have a lot of good friends there. But like I went to some cosmetic surgery conference, and I'm not even gonna say where it is, but let's say it's south of Texas. And like it might be really, really south, like to Antarctica, and it might be just south of Texas. But I noticed and like we we go to ASAPs all the time. I'm going to ask you this. Just you, just tell me, how many times do you see like a specific column for deaths in complications when talking about 
rhinoplasty or breast augmentation or or liposuction, how often at ASAPs is there a column? Because it might say seromas, hematomas, because right, those right. happen pretty frequently. Yeah. They, they're, you know, if you're going to have a complication, those are things that come up and we take care of them, no big deal. But death says an individual column with numbers in it. Yeah, that's not a thing. It's not a thing. <laughs> Conference that I was at, it was a thing. Oh, wow. Like in a lot of the presentations. Wow. And I and I kind of was like, excuse me, <laughs> I have a question. I have a concern. Why is deaths a column on these presentations about liposuction? Oh, they're like, well, that happens here. Wow. Like a lot. That's scary. And I'm not going to say where. I don't want to say, I don't want to say anything about, I don't want to name names. I don't want to do anything. But it was like, I, I came back and I remember because I was like, what is going on in the rest of this portion of the world that this is part of doing aesthetic surgery? Well, that's why we would, again, refer you back to the Plastic Surgery Tourism podcast and take a listen to that one and just be careful. Just be careful. And be careful with Plastic Surgery Tourism in Los Angeles as well. Yeah. 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 No, I Do your I, homework there. Do your homework. You know... <sighs> I mean, we had we did that whole thing with the, the botched butts and what happens when you go to back alleys and you know non licensed practitioners. It can definitely happen. So sometimes people go to and and this is this is really uh, what I see a lot in rhinoplasty is they'll go to people that are oh my god they're so incredible they're they're all over the internet blah 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 and they really wind up in the office of the best marketer. Yeah. Not necessarily the best surgeon. And you know, I'm not and I'm not saying who the best surgeon is or anything like that, but I'm we're gonna do a little podcast about that. Um but I'm saying that you gotta really know where you're going. You gotta know that who you're going to is a board certified plastic surgeon that has, you know, great experience in what they're doing and, and that you can see the before and afters on their website or their Instagram or whatever, and that you have the confidence that you're in the right place because if you're not, then then when you do have a complication, there may not be somebody there who can handle it. That is true. That is very true. I'm going to refrain from telling my story about a practitioner that wants to, quote unquote, add liposuction to their practice. Oh, yes. And I use the term practitioner for a reason, but I'm just not going to tell that story. <laughs> I can't. No, not, not this not this time around. I literally, literally. <laughs> and actually can't even. I won't even. I won't. I won't even. Because it's so... It's so like, like if I tell it, then then, then people just they, they'll be blown out of the water of like what's possible out there. And I'm telling you, it just makes you want to say, please look at the board certification and make sure that they do this procedure. Yes. And how can you really confirm that the that the surgeon that you are going to is qualified to do that operation? You can ask them. Do you have hospital privileges to do this operation? It's the simplest question you can ask. And it That's tells it. you It volumes. tells you everything. Because you, it sounds kind of dumb, actually. And as a, when I was going through stuff as a patient, I didn't really get it. But here's the deal. Hospitals, especially in an urban area, will not grant a surgeon privileges if they have not received the training 
for those procedures That's and they right. go through your training where did they I mean they collect and it takes them six months to go through this where did you get your medical school degree they want the diploma where did you do your internship your residency your fellowship how many procedures have you done yep. and after they've gone through that and verified and contacted your graduating departments only then do they grant you privileges to do these kinds of cases X, Y, and Z at this hospital. And so if your surgeon says, yeah, I have privileges to do that at Cedars, at St. John's, at you know Hollywood Press, wherever, well, then they did the training required to do those procedures. Definitely. But if they only have privileges at some outpatient surgery center in their office <laughs> and no hospital privileges... That's a big red flag. Yeah, it is. And and uh, this is where like there are other specialties, and, and no offense to those other specialties, we need all of them, but they, they do these weekend courses to now become, you know, weekend plastic surgeons. Yeah. And they don't have hospital privileges. I mean, the you know, if you're in internal medicine, you're not gonna be able to get uh, privileges to do liposuction at Cedar Sinai Hospital. They no, just aren't gonna give it gonna to you. Do it. You know, when they call your math teacher on their background check, which they do from eighth grade, and they say, you know, did did this person get training for liposuction? No, but, you know, the internist is great at managing like hepatitis and yeah. things like that. But they're, that's their specialty. But some some doctors are trying to cross over into the cosmetics because it pays well and there's cash, et cetera, that they can make in addition to whatever it is that they do. And Quite honestly, I, I I think that you really want to be with a surgeon that's board certified in plastic surgery. It just makes it easier if you're getting rhinoplasty and facelifts than board certified facial plastic surgeons. Yeah. After that, I, I, I'm not sure who's doing your operation. And I don't know what kind of training they have. Yeah. All that is just to go and say that, you know, if a complication happens, that you want, you're, that you want someone who knows how to take care of it. That's what it comes down and to. And we can do that, even though we don't like it. Yes. And we don't want Agreed. you to be nasty about it. But we'll, we will do we it. We will do it. We'll do it. And just please be nice because we have very <laughs> fragile egos. <laughs> it's true. It's true. It doesn't like, take much. Yeah. We, I mean, we, we, it just sucks when our, I, I, it really hurts my soul when my patient's struggling. I agree. It really does. And I, and I just, I don't, I don't like it when I, I see them having a hard time. And because it's, these are uplifting operations and they really like, and, and when they go well, I, I mean, I had a husband and a wife just basically say like, what you've done for us has changed our lives. And it was like, like this moment that you're like, Oh my God, like that. That's so great. They're like, you have no idea. And they, and they, you know, they, they'll probably tell us most of the time, like you did a great job or whatever, but when they really kind of like look at what, what's they've gotten out of their plastic surgery, it's, it's tremendous. Yeah, those stories are great, and we love them, and that's why we do them. If that's not the story and there's a complication, that's okay. We we'll will get hold you your hand, and we will walk you through to the other side, and we will get it to where it needs to be. That's right. That is that is the deal. That is our commitment. That's what we do, and thank you very much for playing. And this is the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast coming to you from the 90210. Thanks for listening to the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast. If you want to reach Dr. Ravello or myself, we're available for consultations. We can also be reached through the websites. Dr. Ravello, what's your website? My website is rovelloplasticsurgery.com. And the phone number to reach us here in the office is 310-954-1355. And I do want to mention Rock Spa, which is the sponsor, truly the financial backer of this podcast. 
And Rock Spa is the Medi Spa that's located both in Newport Beach and Beverly Hills, providing Botox, fillers, lasers, microneedling, esthetician services like hydrofacials. We have incredible people. They do great stuff. And I highly recommend taking a look at the websites, rockspanewportbeach.com or rockspabeverlyhills.com. All the information is also on my website, drcalvert.com. 